0: This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teacher As podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As will highlight uncommon parallels to teaching, as well as share practical ideas for the classroom. In this episode, I interview Paul Solars, the author of Learn Like a Pirate. I read this book when it first came out, and it affirmed many of my teaching strategies and philosophy overall. But more importantly, it added to my understanding of how to empower students and create an amazing classroom climate for learning. Enjoy my interview with Paul Solars. Welcome, Paul Solars, to the Teacher As Podcast. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I think we should start with what do you want the Teacher As Podcast listeners to know about you and your work?
1: I'll give you a little background. Uh, I've been teaching fourth and fifth grade uh, in the same school, Westgate Elementary School in Arlington Heights, Illinois, since 1999. Um, This past year, I took a leave of absence to take care of my mom, who had some strokes in 2018 and 2019. So um, this past year, I've missed out on all the fun of quarantine. I don't know if that's how you'd say that. All the Challenges of <laughs> d- distance learning. I don't know what I should say about it because I haven't gotten to do it. I, I know it's been a challenge and, and a struggle for some, but I, I, I don't have that experience that others have have had. Um, and I'm hoping to someday get back into teaching. It's not going to be next year because um, I took a two year leave so I could stay working with her. But down the road, I'd like to come back to work. And then I, you know, just in those twenty years, I think that one of the things that I really discovered was. Uh, the importance of having your students be partners with you in learning and not just always trying to feel like you're the you have all the responsibility on your shoulders uh, to make sure that everybody learns and everybody's happy um, I've really worked hard to partner with my students and that's why I wrote a book called Learn Like a Pirate which is how I try to describe uh, the classroom setup that I have and that classroom setup I call it a student-led classroom but it, it, it's a little bit of a misnomer it's not where the kids just stand up and teach each other and and learn whatever they want, but more, you know, I still plan the day. I still uh, teach any kind of content uh, lessons or mini lessons. But my students know that they have to help each other um, when they're working independently or or collaboratively or. Um, they do projects constantly. We do so many things. They also have to keep an eye on the time and they have to um, problem solve as things come up that, you know, I'm not necessarily right there thinking about. So my students have the ability to interrupt the classroom and, and lead the classroom. And I have to follow their lead or give them feedback that, uh, helps them to do it in a different way, but um, the idea is I don't have to constantly be watching the clock and thinking about everything because my kids can do it just as well as I can. So um, that's kind of about my history and my you know my philosophy at the moment. I'm really focused in on skills instruction and less focused in on like knowledge and facts. Obviously, we have to have a, ba- a background and, and some basics, but um, I think. I think I, in my first 10 years of teaching, focused way too much on making sure my kids knew everything about the Declaration of Independence. And then I quizzed them and I tested them and I made sure they turned in all their worksheets and they did all their homework. And now I'm I'm feeling like let's let's get the ideas, the big concepts, the uh, the major points, and then let's create a new declaration. Let's let's create our own country as we break free from somewhere. And um, let's do that collaboratively while I teach you skills that you can actually transfer through the rest of the year and through the rest of your life. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at today. And um, and I'll just throw out that I also really care about social emotional skills and building self-esteem and uh, making sure kids know how to get along with each other, interpersonal skills and stuff. So those are big points for me.
0: Yeah. First of all, I'm sorry about your mother and the challenges oh, you're going through with that. And second of all, your book is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and um, it, you know, it's definitely changed my whole lens of what teaching should look like and what kids you know at the kids the students role in learning and I I love this idea of like let's just focus on skills and social emotional and then they can tackle anything in the work you've done what's your proudest moment
1: obviously for me it's it's always been about the students and and you know, how, how they felt our year, you know, the, that quote, um, it's not what you taught them. It's, it's what you taught them to feel, or, you know, those kinds of ideas where my kids, I think most of them would say it's one of their favorite years. It was definitely different. Um, I think they got a lot out of the experience, but when they come back and they tell me, you know, just first of all, coming back right around its own, I was a fifth grade teacher for a bunch of those years, 19 of those years. So they're going to middle school and then they come back from a whole new school and and just them coming back shows how much they, they care about you and that you made an impact in their life. But, um, the fact that they came back and they often would leave notes on the chalkboard or the whiteboard saying, you were the best, or hey, Solars, or, you know, like joking <laughs> things, you know, that are just fun. And, you know, Uncle Paul, they'd call me every now and then, <laughs> just different things. And it was, just, it's just, we were we were comfortable, but at the same time, it's a, it's a pretty rigorous environment. I mean, I, I have high expectations for my students and they need to be responsible and they need to care about each other. And there's a lot going on, but we're, we do it kind of like a family. So I think, the proudest thing is is the legacy that I might leave on certain kids. I think any teacher wants to have an impact, a positive impact. But as far as a personal accomplishment or a professional accomplishment, um, I was fortunate enough to be named one of the Global Teacher Prize top 50 teachers in the world in 2015 and, and got to go to Dubai um, in the United Arab Emirates. And I got to meet with well, 49 other teachers from that year and 50 teachers from the year after and the year after and the year after, because I've been a few times now. And just meeting these teachers and hearing their stories just puts me at, in awe. Um, I mean, they're, they're just so altruistic. All these teachers are doing things like feeding the hungry in their communities and um, creating international organizations that help um, bring healthy lifestyle choices and physical fitness and, and things to, you know, the, the first world countries. And then I've got friends who are, are bringing these things to third world countries where they're getting technology and education and, um, they're getting, you know, like better quality, um, learning environments that they, you know, didn't have like in Africa, we've got Kuhn Timmers, who's doing, uh, the Kakuma project and they're in, uh, I want to say it's in Kenya, I could be wrong. And they're, they're trying to, you know, give a proper education to the students in this village. And they're, they're doing it through Skyping with them. And like, teachers from all around the world are Skyping in to do lessons with them. And they're, they're Skyping back. I mean, just the idea now it's probably Zoom. Um, But you know, the (laughs) idea is, right, but they're doing all these video conferencing. And they're, they're, you know, it's not all about money. It's about access, you know, and I think actually, that's, that's that's the key there is they need the access to the technology, to the resources, to the people who who can bring them that higher quality education that maybe they don't have in that village because nobody's there that has had that experience before. Right. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. Oh, and then it makes me feel like, what did I? What did I do? Why am I here? It, it really does. I mean, I love what I do, and I love, I love, you know, like I love bringing in the global impact that I, you know, the things that we do in our classroom. But man, to think of what they're doing in the lives of children and students, you know, of all ages, is just amazing.
0: So that sort of goes beautifully into our next question, which is, what structures need to be changed in education to allow for equity? I know you mentioned access, obviously.
1: Yeah when I go to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and the United Arab Emirates with this group of teachers, we talk about the sustainable development goals from the United the United Nations. So we talk about sustainability of everything. So education, you know, would be a key mom, a key, uh, <laughs> a key structure, I guess we'll call it, a key structure where, you know, everybody in the world, every child in the world, every adult in the world deserves access to a proper education, a pro- access to information, access to help, um, and so access to me is is one of the first levels, and then and technology would be nice, but it's it's not required. Um, but you know, a, a nice learning environment. I've been I've been to Fiji, you know, where I you know I've been in the classrooms in I've been in the classrooms in many 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 different countries. But you go to Fiji and the floors, you know, are it's fine because it works for them, but the floors are dirt, the, you know, the, there might be a a cracked, you know, concrete floor in some of them, but the dirt floors, they're um, old desks from what would be pictures of the 1950s for us chalkboards. um, You know, it, it's just, it's not as easy of a learning environment perhaps as what I'm used to with my students. So that doesn't make it better or worse. It's just that everyone deserves access to, Uh, You know classrooms that can work for them, Um, and then I would say they need access to great teachers. They need access to programs or materials that that teach them what they need to learn. And I don't exactly know how to do it, but I do know that we should be looking at anything and everything to try to create that access for everyone. And then once you have that access, it's it's now about meeting the needs of each individual child. You know, it sounds like we're just going to try to get to the point where we can teach everybody equally in the classroom but that's not even the finishing point you don't you don't want to treat everybody as the middle or the medium level student you want to you want to tailor things to their needs so as soon as we can get access then we need to start working on readiness levels and and really differentiating or meeting the needs of each individual student every Every student deserves to have someone who knows what they're doing and and wants to be there, and they're not just doing it to collect a paycheck. So, right. um, you know, I've been I've been talking with this company called Concept Schools recently. Um, they they operate thirty different charter schools in the Midwest. So um, these schools are all in in either inner cities or in and around you know major cities like Chicago, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, Columbus, Detroit, Indianapolis, and. What they do is they, they hire the best teachers and administrators, and then their goal is that they they differentiate instruction to meet the needs of each individual student. So every student has kind of their own plan, but they're, they're a STEM-focused charter school system, but really that's not what they're about. They're really more about getting their children accepted into college, if that's the path they choose, and making sure that all of their strengths and weaknesses are pointed out. They celebrate the strengths, and they really try to work towards fixing whatever weaknesses they can or, you know, building them up to, to get them stronger. In, in my grades, the third through fifth grade level, they're doing a lot of reading, writing, workshop, math, workshop. Um, they do a lot of hands-on, you know, everything in science and STEM. For the last 20 years, their success rate with low-income minority students has been extremely high. And, um, you know, their teachers, it probably starts with the administration and the teaching uh, the teachers, they they are high quality. the The buildings are high quality, um, the programs and materials are high quality, and they're they're doing well. All the students, not, I can't say all, but you know, like large percentages of the students are doing amazingly. So, how did you hear about them? Yeah, I'm just right outside of Chicago, so I, you know, I'm always curious about how things are being done differently. So, you know, equity on all of our minds right now. We're all trying to figure out how do we make the world better? You know, I mean, we just, I want everybody to be happy. You know, <laughs> I, w- I, I just want everybody to be taken care of, you know? So right. um, this has been a really rough few months, um, you know, for many reasons, but you know, what are these people doing in inner cities that's working and they're doing what I described. And and I'm sure a ton more. I, I, this is just what I've read online and what I'm trying to understand from talking with one person in the program. So charter schools, I used to think that they were, you know, elite or they were picked. I, I didn't understand the difference between magnet schools, charter schools. And private schools, charter schools are public schools that are publicly funded and don't. Well, at least these are. Um, they don't require tuition from the students, and they don't have an application process. Um, they take all the students that they can fit if there's enough applying. Applying is not the right word, but they have a right. lottery system. So <laughs> right. let's say it holds four hundred students and five hundred like want in. They they lot a lottery picks the four hundred for them. But you know this is this is just. An ordinary school um, that gets to follow a little bit of different teaching guidelines and different ways of doing things, and they actually probably have less money to do it because they don't get quite the local funding that the public schools would get. They get a little less. So, I think they're doing great work because they're an organization that works on 30 schools at once. So, you know, that whole idea of consolidating or you know combining districts that that might be a right. good thing, but. I have no idea the solutions. I just I've enjoyed the <laughs> learning. You know, right. I've enjoyed so, learning about it. Yeah.
0: So you're, you know, the things you're zooming in on are related yeah. to current events. Obviously, it's. I think we all are yeah, at this point. Yeah. 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 Um, so what else are you zooming in on right now in your work?
1: Zooming in. Well, um, so before the pandemic hit, I was actually working in the United Arab Emirates, um, just for like a week at a time. You know, like um, I'd started in January, and I was teaching uh, teachers how to integrate innovative and entrepreneurial skills into the ordinary curriculum. So the little consulting, I, I consult with a company, and that company is called STEM Revolution, and they, what they're doing is they've signed a contract with. All of the UAE um, to teach all of their teachers from I want to say K through 12, but you know I'm sure I could be mistaking some of the details, and it's it's to get them to try to integrate more STEM, um, but it's not solely STEM. It's more about innovation and entrepreneurship in the classroom. So what I did was I went for a week and trained my core group of I had K through five teachers. I trained them on the second level. It was my first time doing it. So they get three levels and I just joined when we were at the second level. So, and then I would go back and teach the third level, but that's when uh, the coronavirus pandemic hit. So we're on pause. Everybody's on pause for everything. But that was really, really powerful. What I ended up doing was I looked through the materials and I uh, the owner asked me to try to go through it a little bit and make some revisions and uh, rewrite parts of the curriculum. So I had fun doing that, um, still working on that. And then down the road, we're going to be working on a book together on entrepreneurship, which is going to be really cool too. So um, That's amazing. That's, isn't that neat? Yeah, <laughs> wow. That's just these little connections you get in life that are just outstanding. She, the, the woman who owns this company, she is a retired engineer, but she has three sons and all three of them, um, have made millions of dollars on their own uh, companies that they've created. And I, the, the, the best story for me is her youngest son did not want to go to college Her the older two sons had already gone to college. And he's like, I don't want to do it. And she said, well, you kind of have to, you know, it's, it's important to me. I want you to go. Well, he said, how about this? How about if I make a million dollars before I turn 18, I don't have to go to school. (laughs) He said, fine, do it. And he made his million before he turned 18 and and he's, he's sold one of his companies and he has another company. So it's like the updated version of like junior achievement.
0: Like when we were growing up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, and junior, your achievement was a great way to bring in entrepreneurial ideas but now it, it like our idea isn't just to to start companies it's the the mindset of an entrepreneur and how you can use that mindset in reading and writing and science and social you know like anything you can really use a lot of those ideas throughout your day but yeah that's what I was working on right now I'm working on a a book um that it kind of takes my learn like a pirate idea um and it all it is is it really focuses in on how teachers can teach their students to better be responsible for improving their learning their academic learning and their behavior but where the kids kind of have ownership over their own improvements so it's it's a it's a detailed book with the process of how you can get kids to just own the process though. So if you teach them all the steps and you use the mini lessons that I'm trying to write, then they should be able to take this process forward uh, with, with only needing mini lessons and uh, feedback, you know, the rest of the way. They shouldn't need direct instruction too much.
0: That's incredible. I hope you share <laughs> it. I hope we can do some of that in the States because that's definitely changing structures to to even yeah. look at education that way. That's oh, amazing. I, I can't yeah. wait.
1: It's it's about halfway done. So we'll see we'll see where that goes.
0: Very cool. What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to know more about your work?
1: Sure. Um, they can find me on Twitter at, at Paul Solars. Um, they can email me at learnlikeapirate at gmail.com. I have a website, learnlikeapirate.com, or um, they can they can go to my school website. Our classroom website is pretty awesome, if I can say so myself. It, yes, it's got, it
0: is. It's got all the
1: kids <laughs> on there. Like it, That's the best part. It's so, awesome. Thank you. Uh, paulsolars.weebly.com is my recent one. And then there's a psolars.weebly.com that's my first one. So I kind of broke Weebly. We had over 500 pages. At the time, Weebly couldn't support more than 500, so I had to start a new classroom website. So I have two. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, all those are are pretty easy ways to find me. There's other social media tools, but those are the ones that I'm most active on. Awesome.
0: So I have one last question that I ask everybody I interview. What is your favorite movie and why?
1: All right. So you gave me a heads up on this. So I I brainstormed and I thought pretty long and hard about it. When my niece and nephew turned, I don't know, maybe 11 or something. My nephew would have been 13, but my niece turned 11. I made them sit down and watch one movie with me. And the movie I made him watch was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. I don't know how many people might say this is their favorite movie, but (laughs) for me, I just had to have him do it. Like we're from the Chicago area. It takes place all throughout the city of Chicago and some of the suburbs. Um, It involves the Cubs, which is my favorite sports team. It kind of shows how this kid's ditching school and he gets all these close calls with his principal and his parents almost getting caught. Um, there's so much creativity and problem solving and innovation in the movie, which to me it brings the geek out in me, which I thought was awesome. Like they, he made that <laughs> that uh, doll on his bed yeah. turn over <laughs> when the door opened and stuff, you know, just so many cool things. And then, when I just looked into Ferris Bueller online a little bit, it's apparently it's a John Hughes movie, which I did not, I don't know movies like other people do. Um, And like me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go. And he, to me, he made some of the best movies of the eighties at least. And I'm 44. So the eighties was right in that time when I'm, getting into movies like that, you know, so that was pretty perfect.
0: Oh, Ferris Bueller's Day. I know. Save Ferris.
1: <laughs> Save Ferris. <laughs> oh, poor guy. No, not really. <laughs> All right. That's what I'm going with.
0: So yep. is there anything else that you want the Teacher's as podcast listeners to know or look into or wonder about?
1: I, I, I would really like to just say thanks to you, not for just this interview, but you were one of the first people who ran Learn Like a Pirate, the Learn Lab chat for me. And that was just really important at the time. I needed some help and you were there to help. And and yeah, you've been there most of the years since then. And it's nice to kind of uh, reconnect in a stronger way. And I'm I'm appreciative of you. And I wish you luck uh, with the podcast and anything else that you might do with it.
0: Thank you, and you're Absolutely. welcome for, for, for that, but also thank you for giving me that opportunity because it was oh. a blast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> ditto.
0: If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website, at www.theteacherads.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out The Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming in on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.